0: Today's scripture reading is Psalm thirty-two. How uh, Psalm thirty-two, one through eleven. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away, though through my groaning all day long, for no- For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trapping include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy all you who are upright in heart.
1: Good morning. We are in the book of Romans. We have made it all the way to chapter 4. We are happy... That we're done with the passages talking about condemnation because we spent way too many sermons on that. And now we are in justification. We are now talking about the hope that comes because of the gospel message and the work of God. So we are excited. We are excited like a kid or a young man in Casper, Wyoming. He was looking forward to his tax return because he estimated he should get five hundred and eleven dollars back. And he was looking forward to spending that five hundred dollars, the five hundred dollars and five hundred and eleven dollars. Whatever's written on here. Because he makes about eight thousand dollars a year. He was getting he was paying too much, so they're gonna get a refund. So he's excited. So the day finally comes. The day finally comes, and he opens it up, and he has a letter from the IRS saying that he owed $755,935,575. he was not going to get his $511 because the IRS says he owes $700 million. And his bubble was burst. Now, of course, we know from experience the IRS made a mistake, <laughs> right? And he had to work it out. But there are a lot of people who live their lives by the golden rule or by some other verse they pick out of the Bible or by doing things they think pleases God or they maybe even go to church on Easter and Christmas and or they do things that are nice and caring and loving, and they think when they get to heaven, they'll stand before the judge, and God will list all the good things they've done, and it will outweigh all the sinful things they've done, and that God then will overlook their sin and allow them into heaven. Now, if you think that guy from Casper, Wyoming, got surprised, think about those people who live... To do good things. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Now to the one who works. These are works efforts to get to heaven. His wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. To the one who works. His wage is not credited as a favor, but as one that is due. He's done a bunch of good things, and he thinks that God will reward him by giving him heaven. What will guarantee a sinner safe passage to the kingdom of God? What will guarantee a sinner a safe passage? To the kingdom of God verse 4 gives us our first negative point moral good works will not earn you a gift from God uh, you, get, you got to understand that good moral works will not earn a gift it will not earn a gift from God but will land you in a place the Bible calls the lake of fire the definition of lake and fire is not good. It is a place you do not want to spend 10 minutes or an hour or a year or the eternal future. Doing moral good works will earn you a place there and not in the kingdom of God. Notice what he says beginning in verse 4. The one who works, the person who does good works to try to earn salvation, thinks he does more than people who do evil works. And what the verse is saying here is that both will get the same penalty. You ever witness to somebody? You ever share your faith with somebody? And they say, well, God will look at me and I'm a good person, and when he compares me to like Hitler who's a really wicked person, he'll let me into heaven. This verse is saying that a good person who does moral good things and Hitler get the same reward. There is no difference between a person trying to earn their way to heaven and Hitler, or whatever terrible sinner you want to come up with. Those two are equal and both will be judged. The wicked sinner and the moral sinner do not do anything God declares righteous. The only people that can do righteous things are believers who are indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's only by the Holy Spirit you're able to do anything that is defined good. If people do good works to earn heaven, then justification becomes a paycheck. Something that you're due. Something you deserve. To do a moral action to deserve justification, you cannot use the word credit or justification or redemption or any of the good words we have talking about your salvation. It is something God owes you. And when God owes you something, that put God here and you here. And He owes you. Like rubbing a bottle and having a genie come out. Verse 5. But the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Oh, I thought I'd get an amen on that. Here we go. Verse 5 again. But to the one who does not work. In other words, you do not do good works to earn your way to heaven, but you believe in God who justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. What will guarantee a sinner a safe passage to the kingdom of God? The answer, number two. Faith in the promises of God will declare you righteous and you will land a place in the kingdom of God. Faith in the promises of God will declare you righteous and will land you a place in the kingdom of God. It's interesting, this verse has four verbs in it and all the verbs are present tense. In other words, they all have an action that continues Every single day. In other words, you, being a saved person, do not look back what happened to you when you were a kid, but you look back at yesterday. And yesterday you believed. Yesterday you were justified. Yesterday you were credited in righteousness. Yesterday you did not try to earn your salvation. You do things because you are saved, not to be saved. But believes in Him, believes in Him, present tense, a daily state of being. You believe. Saving faith is not connected to moral works that attempt to please God and earn salvation. Saving faith is saving faith is even a gift to you. Acts chapter 14 verse 27 says, When they arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them And how God had opened a door of faith. Even faith. God gives to you. That faith. Where you turned to God and repented of your sins. Even that. Had to be Holy Spirit and power. Even that. Had to be something that comes from being redeemed. Being made alive. Something God did even that so that you could be saved a person who is not working to earn his way to heaven is a believer who receives a gift who justifies the ungodly god is just and must punish sin god is the justifier and his mercy declares a sinner righteous by the study of the law of god The sinner learns he is only worthy of God's wrath. You study the law, you find out not how to be saved, but how you deserve wrath. By the work of Jesus Christ, you have a way to have your sins taken care of. And your faith is credited as righteous. Remember, uh, what was it, three weeks, four weeks ago, we talked about the solution to all your problems is attaining the righteousness of God. And how attaining the righteousness of God is the hardest thing to do in the universe, it has to be accepted as a gift. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter is writing, he says, To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God. Faith and righteousness always have a connection. Faith and righteousness. If you have faith, you believe in the work of Jesus Christ, you have the righteousness of God. It goes together. Through Jesus Christ, God is able to be just and the justifier and save you. Saving faith is a state of mind whereby we believe in the promises of God. God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that, listen to this, we might become the righteousness of God. God's goal for you and every other person on this planet is to be the righteousness of God. You cannot get to be righteousness of God by doing something. You can only do it by believing something. And you trust the work of God. God works and makes the ungodly into a new reality. Righteous. Righteous. So, here we go. Verse 6. I want you to notice verse 6. Just as King David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. The first seven, the five verses we talked about Abraham. Talked about Abraham. Talked about Abraham. Now he changes gears. Remember the Jews, how they looked at Abraham? They almost had the same love for King David. There's a statue that's on Mount Zion that's in Israel today where they revere King David. He's playing a harp. That's not the exact size I have in my mind of what a harp is. But he is revered. Just like Abraham, King David is revered. Verse 6, Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man who God credits righteousness apart from works. What are the three problems? What are the three problems that will not be solved by doing good moral works? No matter how many moral works you do, you cannot solve these three problems. King David talks about a blessing that comes on you. A blessing comes from the root word of happiness. literally means happiness. I know people don't like that word. It comes from happenstance. They think it's a chance kind of word. But you are blessed by God... Because you have three problems in your life you can't handle. Verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Lawless deeds. The first problem you have that you cannot correct is that you have lawless deeds. Sinful rebellion against the law of God. Sinful rebellion against the law of God. You have done things that went against the law of God. Now remember, in the context here, I think the chapter is talking about the law of God, not the first five of the books of the Bible, not the Ten Commandments. I think he's referring to the entire Old Testament because of the quotes made in chapter 3. So, the entire Old Testament where God describes his moral commands talks about his moral character talks about not doing things that go against his moral characters. When you go against the moral characters of God, you therefore are lawless. The idea of revolting against the government, the idea of being an active rebellion against the law of God, not just the absence of the law of God, but rebelling against the law of God. Lawlessness is doing, is doing what does not conform to the law of God. So in other words, you, you understand the law of God, you read the law of God, and you do the opposite. That is lawlessness. No matter how many good times, good moral deeds, how many times you walk the little old lady across the street, how many times you make cookies for somebody, those things will never earn and defeat and deal with your lawless actions. Matter of fact, how many lawless actions do you have to do to reserve a place in the lake of fire? One. You do one lawless thing. It goes against any of the commands. <laughs> I watched the eye in a video. He was going around in southern california he was asking people questions about the 10 commandments <laughs> and the answers he got were from a bunch of lawless people who rebel against the law of god if you rebel against the lawless lawlessness the law of god you rebel against the law of god you are lawless and if you are lawless The judge one day will surprise you. And he will send you to a place the Bible calls the lake of fire. Now, if that's not bad enough, let's go to the second problem you have. Second problem you have. Verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered whose sins have been covered. The second biggest problem you have in your life is number two. Sinful actions that miss God's expressed and revealed will. Sinful actions that miss God's expressed and revealed will. This is problem number two. Those sins that fall short of the mark it's plural, so it means every single time you miss. Every single time you miss, you get a citation that will lead you to the lake of fire. You add them all up, you will end up deserving nothing but that lake of fire. Now there's a show, uh, now you don't hold it against me, uh, I like watching, it's called Survivor. Okay, don't, don't raise your hand if you like it, too, because that will just make me feel even better. But I like it. Now, admittedly, the gossip and slander and everything that goes on in the show, I fast-forward through. Because I like getting to the competition. As you know, I'm a competitive person, so I like coming up and seeing the games they have for them. And I love watching the people do an athletic thing that they're not capable of doing. They make me laugh and I forget everything else going on in my life. I laugh how poor they are in coordinating an athletic throw, especially when there's a rock they got to throw someplace and they got to hit something and they got to do it and they got to do it quick and they throw like they've never thrown before. Anyway, I like that show. But the idea is every time you miss the mark that God sets up, it's a mark against you. And those sins become more sins, more sins, more sins. One illustration I use when I'm talking to somebody is, hey, if you're a good, really good person, a moral good person, you'd probably sin only about 15, 20 times a day. And then, but let's say you're really good and you only sin like 10 times a day. No, let's say you're really good and you only sin like five times a day. No, let's say you're super saint and you sin only three times a day. And if you live to be 70, how many sins would that be when you stand before the judge? A lot. And if you stood before a, a court judge here in Butler County, with 150 million parking tickets, I think he puts you in a jail and throw the key away. But we expect that God would overlook those and still be called a just God. Sins, 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 sins. sins got a couple of verses for you Psalm 143 verse 2 For in your sight no man living is righteous The problem with the righteousness of God is that there's nobody righteous Galatians 3:22 so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe The only way to attain the righteousness of God is to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ To attain that, you have to place your faith in the work of Jesus Christ. You have to believe. That is the only way you can have the righteousness of God. Now, if you break one law, and you commit only three sins a day, you're in trouble. But, wait, there's one more. Verse 8. Blessed is the man whose sin... Who sin, by the way, what's missing from the previous verse, verse 7? It said sins. This says sin. It's a different meaning and a different word. Notice what's going on. What are the three problems that will not be solved by doing moral good works? Here we go, number three. Sinful, deliberate act of turning away from God. A deliberate act of turning away from God a deliberate act of turning away from God. Now, where I got this from is from the quote in Psalm 32, which Paul quotes and puts in this verse in Romans chapter 4. The quote coming from the Hebrew word in Psalm 32 literally means to turn away. To turn away. And sometime what happens... No matter what you do by trying to do something good to earn your salvation, you have to turn away from the gift of God. And you only have to do it once. And when you turn away from God to try to do something on your own, you are in a state contrary to God. Not only are you lawless, not only do you sin but you turn away from God. You are in deep trouble. You are in eternal trouble. So, you have lawless deeds breaking the commands of God. You have sins that you do every day. And you have the... Audacity to turn away from God's solution to the problem. The Hebrew term, as you look up a lexicon, it talks about being corrupt, twisted, crooked. You are crooked. You're warped. Your nature is warped when you turn away from God. You are no longer going in the direction where you can have a place reserved in the kingdom of God. You're going your own way. Going your own way. Three problems. God, Paul, gives you three solutions. You ready? Are you ready? Hello? Now is not the time to go to sleep during the sermon. Okay? That time has passed. This is the time to wake up. This is what makes the gospel message good news. Good news. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm warning you, your socks will not remain where they are. This will rock. It. Here it comes. Hang on. Uh, You're not ready. You don't believe me. Here it comes. What are three solutions that will solve the problem by faith in the promises of God? What are three solutions that will be solved by faith in the promises of God? What will solve your problems of being lawless, of being a sinner, of being turning the wrong way to be saved? Verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Forgiven. God's gift of forgiveness. And I put it that way because it is a gift. You do not earn forgiveness. You do not get forgiveness uh, by your works attributed to you. You cannot earn forgiveness. You cannot get the wage of forgiveness given to you. You cannot have God in your debt, and He cannot pay you forgiveness. It is a gift. It is a gift. And it comes from God. And it's going to solve your problem of sin. The Hebrew word from Psalm 32 means to take away, to carry away So your lawlessness will be carried away. How far? Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from him. As far as the east is from the west. Now, I don't have to spend much time on this. You cannot go east if you go west. That is how far... God removes, takes away your lawlessness by the work of Jesus Christ. God has given the sinner forgiveness and reckoned to him as a person he's never sinned. God pardons your sin and at the same time declares you righteous by the work of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you You are forgiven, and the wrath of God will not come to you. Error passive, forgiven. You cannot earn forgiveness. Uh, Aristotle, Augustine, excuse me, Augustine was dying. And he had Psalm 32 written on his wall so he could see it every day. See it every day. He said, the beginning of knowledge is to know yourself as a sinner. To know yourself as a sinner. If you understand that you're lawless and yet you have a sin problem, you are are halfway there, man. You have to know. You need forgiveness. That's one. Here you go. Solution number two. The end of verse 7. Whose sins have been covered. Whose sins have been covered. Number two. God's gift of atonement. God's gift of atonement. Atonement is covering the mercy seat with the sacrificial blood of the animal that died supposedly on your behalf. What we have in the New Testament is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ who perfectly kept the law and he died so that your sins could be covered. That you could be covered. Literally, it means (laughs) that the covering makes your sins invisible to God. Your sins are invisible to God. Those three sins that add up to a multitude of sins, for every day, for every year, for every decade, till the day you die, is covered. Because the work, the blood of Jesus Christ, makes that sin invisible to God. You get forgiveness... And you get atonement. And it covers every sin that you commit. Psalm 85, 2. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. I like that word all. All their sin. This covering here is a special word. Paul had to think of it, had to come up with it, had to figure it out, and it's the only time used in the New Testament. Cover. It comes and makes it perfect for us. If you believe in the work of Jesus Christ, you believe in God being the justifier, you believe that His justification can declare you righteous, you believe that God not only offers you forgiveness, but He offers you a covering. And Paul had to put down his pen to think about what word to use. Covering. I'm like a bad infomercial. Wait, there's more. (laughs) Verse 8. Blessed is the man who sinned. The Lord will not take into account. Lord will not take into account. Number 3. What are three solutions that will be solved by faith in the promises of God? Number 3. God's gift of righteousness. God's gift of righteousness. You cannot do anything to earn the righteousness of God. You cannot do anything to somehow earn it, make God in your debt. There's no way that you can do it even for a day. You cannot do it. You have to be declared righteous. God grants salvation to those who have no claim on God's righteousness. He brings it into account. This is our word credit. It's used again, translated in our English differently, but it means to be credited. God's work of justification goes beyond the work of forgiveness and the work of atonement. So, It goes to declaring us righteous. The righteousness of God is the key to everything in our life. Forgiveness gets us there. (laughs) The covering of sin gets us there. What we want to be is the righteousness of God. I love coaching baseball and I've done it for years. And I coached a little league team and they were very good and I had a good group of guys. And I had this one kid that was my backup catcher and he did a good job but the poor guy did not have the mentality of a catcher to be a good catcher you got to forget the last mistake you just made because you will make a lot I being a detailed person gave a stat sheet out to all the kids their batting average and everything and all the things, how many doubles they got, how many triples they got, how many home runs they got, how many RBIs they got, how many sacrifices they got. And I had one category where it talked about errors. He was sitting at the end of the bench, and he looked like he just was crying. I went over to him. I said, what are you crying about? And he complained about leading the team in errors. I said, you know, it does not matter if you lead the team in errors. What matters is pleasing me, your coach. If your errors did not please me, your coach, then we'd have a talk. But I know the position of catcher. I know you got the strongest arms in the league throwing pitches at you, and you're going to miss some of them. I understand that. But you have to please me. And I got him encouraged. Didn't get a phone call from his mom, so I won that battle. okay yeah. The same thing is true between your relationship and God. You want to please God. The way you please God is by the righteousness of God. Having that accredited to your account. Having the sins not accounted to your category. That you will be declared righteous. Which means you've been forgiven. Which means your sins have been covered. And you have a righteousness that does not belong to you. It's imputed to you. So let me summarize the first eight verses of the chapter. Abraham's an example of imputed righteousness. We talked about that last week. Here, David, King David is an example of non-imputed sin. His sin did not get imputed to him. King David was justified even after his works had been declared evil. And he was even judged for it. Justification is not found in human merit. Not found in human merit. You have to do... (laughs) You have to have faith in Jesus Christ. In the work of Jesus Christ. You have to be forgiven. You have to have your sins covered. You have to be declared righteous. And if you are... The Bible says you have a place in the kingdom of God. Application. Well, I get my friends to understand that God offers salvation as a gift by trusting the promises of God and that any attempt at doing good moral works to please Him will not succeed. Will I get my friends to understand that God offers salvation as a gift by trusting the promises of God and that any attempt doing good moral works will not please him? King David understood that faith in the grace of God, he would merit the gift of salvation. Abraham was justified by faith, which was a gift from God. King David was justified by faith and every person in here that has a relationship with Jesus Christ has been justified by faith you have been justified a long time ago when farmers had well what was it called buggy carriage days carriage buggy days back before cars but stay with me people back before there were cars and you either rode a horse or a carriage. This farmer, poor farmer, saved up his money so that he could buy an ox to plow his field. He thought he had enough money to go and buy the ox. I don't know how much it would cost, but he, co- he thought he had enough. He took it, and he went to the market, and he offered his money to the guy selling the ox and the guy said I can't take this money and the farmer goes why he says because this is the old dollar bill and we're not accepting them anymore the farmer says I've been saving this money for years now you've got to accept the money he complained and complained and complained he finally went to somebody, in an authority, and he's talked about the problem, and the, the authority said, because I believe that you really worked hard to save this money, I'm going to change your money into new money from my own personal funds so that you can go buy your ox. God does the same thing. The work of Jesus Christ gets accredited to you so that you can be declared righteous. You come to him with worthless money. But as a kindness and a goodness and mercy, he gives you what you need. The righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that it would encourage everyone to make sure that they are living by faith. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be a church that declares a message by faith. That the gospel message goes forth from us and it's not by doing good things, but it's doing things based upon faith and trust in the promises of God. I pray, Father, that you would empower us with the Holy Spirit once we're saved to be able to reflect the righteousness of God, in doing the righteous thing. And I pray, Father, that would help our non-believing friends to come and ask us question, how come we live differently? And we can say it's a gift that comes from God. Let me tell you about it. Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to a cross to shed his blood, not for his sins, but for our sins, and that you laid our sins upon him and then father when we accepted your gift you placed his righteousness on us you covered our sins you forgave us of our sins and you put them as far as from the east is from the west and you did it in such a way that we would only praise you because you are the source of our salvation You give us everything we need. We thank You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.